No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we conclude Psalm 106 as the psalmist continues listing Israel's acts of defiance and idolatry. God was angry with his people, yet he regarded their affliction. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Darrell continues in the Psalms on Simply the Bible. Today we conclude Psalm 106, where we see the anonymous psalmist continuing to point out the failures of Israel contrasted with the faithfulness of God. Psalm 106, we continue in verse 24. Then they despised the pleasant land, and they did not believe his word, but complained in their tents, and did not heed the voice of the Lord. Therefore he raised up his hand in an oath against them to overthrow them in the wilderness, to overthrow their descendants among the nations, and to scatter them in the land. So two years after the children of Israel left Egypt, they came to Kadesh Barnea, the entry point to the promised land. This was the land of milk and honey that God had promised to Abraham to give to his descendants. But they despised the precious gift and the pleasant land. God told them that he would send the hornet before them and that they would conquer the Canaanites. But they wanted Moses, instead, to send in spies to see for themselves first. Now, when ten of the twelve spies returned with a negative report, then the people gave way to unbelief. And even after Joshua and Caleb encouraged them and said, Look, God will give us these people. They are bread for us. But they would not listen. Instead, the congregation spoke of stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then they complained in their tents. They murmured in private. How many times does this happen in the church today? People give full vent to their complaints in their homes when they do not dare to speak in the assembly. But God hates murmuring and complaining, and it always leads to misery. So God swore an oath against them because they did not believe him. And he swore that None of the adults 20 years old or older would enter the promised land he was going to give them, but they would instead wander in the wilderness for the next 38 years until they all perished. It was the longest funeral march ever. They joined themselves also to Baal of Peor and ate sacrifices made to the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their deeds, and the plague broke out among them. Then Phinehas stood up and intervened, and the plague was stopped. And that was accounted to him for righteousness to all generations forevermore. So they joined themselves to the Baal of Peor. Now, seeing how Israel was defeating the Canaanite kings, Balak, the king of Moab, sent for Balaam, this kind of pseudo-prophet, to come and curse Israel. But every time he opened his mouth, he blessed Israel instead of cursing them because he could only say the words that God gave him. But because Balaam wanted the monetary reward, well, afterward, he counseled Balak to send the Midianite women to go seduce the men of Israel and lead them into the worship of Baal of Peor. And the plan worked. Of course, 
Part of these pagan worship rituals involved sexual immorality. Thus, Israel was joined to the Baal of Peor. Now, they ate sacrifices made to the dead. Either that's a reference to the people sacrificing to the dead lifeless idols, or perhaps these pagan rituals involved them consulting with deceased humans, which was strictly forbidden in the law. They provoked the Lord to anger as a result. Now, you must understand that God, when he brought the people into a covenant relationship at Mount Sinai, he was making Israel his bride, as it were. And so this was adultery, spiritual adultery in God's mind. God sent a plague and 24,000 of them died. But it was Phinehas who stopped the plague. Now, when he saw an Israelite defiantly with a, a Midianite woman who he was not repentant over what he had done, then Phinehas took a javelin and put it through the two of them and immediately the plague stopped. And he did this because of his zeal for the Lord's righteousness. And as a result, it was accounted to him for righteousness for he and his descendants forevermore. They would be the priests uh, and even the high priests in Israel. They angered him also at the waters of strife so that it went ill with Moses on account of them because they rebelled against his spirit so that he spoke rashly with his lips. Now this occurred in Numbers chapter 20. It was the second time that they complained that they had no water and God told Moses to go speak to the rock and the water would come forth. But Moses had had it. He was so fed up with these guys and they're murmuring and complaining and, and he said, must I strike this rock, you rebels? You know, and, and he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. And as a result, it went ill from Moses and God said, look, Moses, you misrepresented me out there. I'm not angry with them. And you dishonored me before the people and you struck the rock when I told you to speak to it. So as a result, you are not going to go into the promised land because you misrepresented me. They did not destroy the peoples concerning whom the Lord had commanded them, but they mingled with the Gentiles and learned their works. Now, God told them to utterly destroy the Canaanites. They were God's messengers to execute the Canaanites because of their terribly wicked practices. But they didn't do what God said. Instead, they let them live. They made them slaves in some cases, but they mingled with them and learned their works, which was exactly what God said would happen. Here's the lesson in this. God tells us to come out and be separate and not learn nor conform to the ways of this world because if we do it will be a snare to us and ultimately lead us into sin and the wages of sin is death so god tells us not to be conformed to this world but to be transformed through the renewing of our mind they didn't do this and it would be disastrous for them they served their idols which became a snare to them they even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan and the land was polluted with blood. Thus they were defiled by their own works and played the harlot by their own deeds. So they served the idols of the Canaanites, just what God said would happen. And part of this was the worship of Molech, which was uh, an idol 
that they would heat up this metal idol in the fire until the arms that were outstretched would become red hot. And then they would take their babies and they would cast them upon the red hot arms of this image. And they would hear the screams, the cries of their babies as they were sacrificing them to the god Molech. But it says here that really they were sacrificing to demons. I mean, if they had been in their right mind, they would have known that God, the God of life, the God who had given them such wonderful commandments, would never require them to sacrifice their children, would not tolerate such terrible practices and the screams of their kids and so forth. Uh, But they were deceived by their idolatry and much of the births that had come forth were because they were involved in sexual immorality and they had unwanted pregnancies and this was part of the way they would deal with it. But they were shedding innocent blood. Now, is there not a similarity between this and abortion today? I mean, whose influence is it to destroy a life? Who seeks to destroy the natural affection between a parent and their child so that they would end the life of their child? Such influence can only be demonic. But such heinous practices pollute the land with innocent bloodshed. Thus, by doing this, by following these terrible practices, which were the reason God was destroying the Canaanites to begin with, the children of Israel were defiled by their own works. And they played the harlot. They committed spiritual adultery Therefore, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against his people so that he abhorred his own inheritance and he gave them into the hand of the Gentiles and those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them and they were brought into subjection under their hand. Many times he delivered them, but they rebelled in their counsel and were brought low for their iniquity. You see, God's wrath was kindled against them because they were like a wife who had multiple lovers who was cheating on her husband and God's wrath was against them because they did this and and he even abhorred his own inheritance as a husband might do if his wife had been unfaithful. And so he gave them over to the, the very lovers they wanted. You know, they wanted to go after the Canaanite gods and so God gave them over to the Canaanites to be ruled by them and then later on the Babylonians, and thus they were ruled by those who hated them. Now, wasn't this the same situation that they had escaped from in Egypt? But now because of their idolatry, they had come full circle. And Jesus said that whoever sins is a slave to sin. What a tyrannical master sin is. It shows no mercy, but it hates its practitioners. Now, throughout the book of Judges, we see that many times they would cry out to God and God would deliver them, but then they would rebel and would be brought lower and lower. And the rebellion of man always brings him to the lowest state. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry. And for their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to the multitude of his mercies. He also made them to be pitied by all those who carried them away captive. Now, this is the second nevertheless, and in this case, God was showing that he is a loving, compassionate father because he regarded their affliction like a a father would do with his wayward child. He heard their cry, and he was moved with compassion, and he remembered his covenant. 
Now, the Lord's covenant is the basis for his mercy always. It's not our righteousness, but it is God's faithfulness to his promises that should be the ground always for our appeal for his mercy rather than for his judgment. Now, God relented according to the multitude of his mercies, and he did not bring the judgment that he promised because it is always his desire that people would repent and live, turn and live, so that he does not have to bring judgment. What multitudes of mercies are available to the one who allows the convictions of conscience to lead him to repentance before it's too late? Now, God even made them to be pitied by their captors. Rather than their captors just hating them, despising them, God turned the hearts of their captors to pity them. And again, this just shows the the incredible mercy of God, even though they had been rebellious. The psalmist ends it by saying, Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name, to triumph in your praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. So this is written probably by a psalmist who is in the midst of being taken into captivity, perhaps the Babylonian captivity. And he's just saying, Lord, save us, bring us back, gather us from these captive nations so that we can come once again and give you thanks and praise. And he ends the psalm the same way he began it by saying, Hallelujah. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow for Christmas, we explore the question, what is the peace that Christ brought to the earth? We hope you'll join us for this special episode of Simply the Bible.